MVP, MVP, MVP. Joel Embiid, Joel Hans Embiid, NBA MVP. Back tonight, game two, Sixers Celtics look to take a commanding 2-0 lead. And suddenly, 48 hours after missing game one, has had a miraculous recovery to play game two. And I have to wonder what's behind the decision. Seems to me that you would play game three, take another two days of rest, but... Let's talk about it. Welcome back to the Winners Win Podcast. Crazy few days in Philly sports. Sixers take a 1-0 lead in Boston off of Jim Harden's... You know what? I may call him James today. James Harden's 45-point performance, clutch performance... And I did not know he had that in him. And so, as of now, I was um, maybe wrong about Jim. Now, I, I don't know that he can do that again, but that was a big time night. So we'll see. We'll see how it ends up. But Sixers are alive and well in this series. Things look to be lining up for them. Milwaukee is out. I have to correct something. I don't know where my head was last week. I thought that they reseed it. And I was saying they wouldn't play Boston. But that was never an option. Um, I guess unless Boston would have lost. But So I was wrong on that. So it was always Boston. And... It's their it's their kryptonite. We've we've talked about it. But they steal a game there. And Boston looks beatable. And after Boston, not that Miami or New York would be easy, but Sixers then would have home court. And who knows? They would be in the driver's seat. So Joel misses game one with a knee sprain. There's speculation that it's worse than that. He warmed up but decided not to play. Wins MVP last night and now decides I'm back. Now, you have to wonder what made him decide that. 48 hours ago, he couldn't suit up, but now he can. And my theory is what my theory always is with Joel, that he always is looking for the easy road and the comfort road, and they're up 1-0. All the pressure's off. So if he sits out tonight and they lose, then he plays game three. A lot of pressure back at home to win game three. Joel is very selective the games he chooses to sit out. Always has been. He plays tonight's really a win-win for him. And that's what he always wants, the win-win. If they win, 
and he helps at all, really just if they win, he will be deemed a hero, a warrior. He played hurt. We have a commanding 2-0 lead. Now, I do not expect them to win. And I would actually be shocked if they win. So if they lose and he plays well, no harm, no foul. It's 1-1. They stole home court. Joel played great. But no one expected them to win both. If he plays poorly and they lose, again, no harm, no foul. No one expected them to win both. Oh, and by the way, I played poorly because I'm hurt. So there's really no no downside to him playing tonight. Whereas there would have been game three. So he really gets a free shot tonight to try to play great and, and take a 2-0 lead. Now this series is extremely interesting. Because I, I did not think that this would be... I did not think the Sixers could, could win this series. I didn't think they had the heart. I didn't think they had the grit. I didn't think they had what it took. But Celtics, obviously there's a problem. And the Sixers, maybe they aren't. Maybe. Now, I'm not getting crazy about one game. But maybe there's something different. Now, P.J. Tucker's a guy I ripped a lot. And I, I still find it fascinating that he gets the minutes he does and does nothing in the stat sheet. But he does bring an element of toughness. And he brings an element of grit, and he brings an element of hustle, and he brings the element of knowing what it takes to win a championship, which he did. And maybe that element is much more valuable because it's, you know, it's an element that I always talk about in other players, and he has it. He has that winning attitude. In a lot of ways, he's a winner. But he just, when you read the stat sheet, he does he doesn't show up. But for some reason, I guess stats don't always matter. It's fascinating he, he has zero points. I mean, he, he plays and starts, and he had zero points the other night, and they win. But maybe, maybe that is kind of drowned out by what he brings with the intangibles. Maxi, incredible. Melton brings a different element. So, look, it's all stuff that I thought about. But I just thought that the main two guys didn't have what it took. Now, Jim showed me a side of him that I haven't seen in a while, especially in big games. Now, we'll see as the series goes on and Celtics adjust and they give him a little more attention. I've seen Jim in game five, six, and sevens where he's been horrific. So that's when I'll really be able to judge him. But, hey, I have to tip my cap. I'm not, I can't be biased. He showed me something last night that I didn't think he still had. Two nights ago. I'm sorry. But it's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. There is no excuse. It is wide open. You know, I don't think there's anybody in the West that's just dominant. Some good teams out there, obviously. Nuggets look for real. Lakers are maybe the hottest team in the NBA since the All-Star break. Won in Golden State last night. But... There's no reason they they can't get through the East. And there's really no excuse with Milwaukee missing and being up 1-0. So we'll see. I I still expect Boston to win the series. I don't know. Will MVP light a fire in Joel? 
I have no idea what Joel's going to give you. You know, this series, I, I imagine, will go long, at least six minimum now that they won game one. I thought it could have been I thought it could have been five or six Boston, but I, I have to imagine it will go at least six, possibly seven. And it will be about adjustments. We'll see how Boston comes out and adjusts tonight. I, I do I did think it was interesting though after they won. The celebration from most of the Sixers, including Joel, who was in street clothes, running around and jumping up and down was was very telling to me. Jim was really the only one that was kind of confused and said, guys, it's one game. Let's, let's get off the court. Joel was acting like they won the championship. So it really goes to show you the the lack of understanding, I think, of what it takes to get through the second round in the conference finals, what um, the kind of attitude of maturity you need to have and expectation and standard you need to have for yourself. I mean, to be jumping up and down and running around after one game in a seven-game series in the second round was was a tad ridiculous, to say the least. But Joel, he's almost like a little kid in a way. Um. He loves the cameras. He loves attention. He doesn't like anything really difficult. And he loves kind of manipulating situations in his favor. So I imagine a lot of, if things aren't going well tonight, if he's not scoring, if they're not winning, a lot of holding his knee, a lot of limping. In game, in maybe a game three, let's say they won and he scored 30, a lot of running around cheering. He plays to the situation. But hats off. To win one in Boston's huge. Now I want to transition to Eagles draft real quick before I get into the Phillies, before I lose my mind with what I just watched in L.A. With the Phillies just blowing um, a, a game that they had a 5 nothing lead with Aaron Nola. Uh, but have to, have to... Give some credit here today. I have some. Um, I have to eat some humble pie today in a few places. Howie Roseman, a guy that I criticized a lot, a plus again. Now, I, who knows? We'll see. They have to take the field. I don't know how it translates, but at least on paper, a plus job from Howie Roseman, a guy that has come a long way, a guy that. In my estimation, you know how you, how I judge someone is how do they handle mistakes? How do they make adjustments? Do they correct course? Do they correct themselves and change course, I should say, when what they're doing doesn't seem to be working? And Howie did a lot of crazy things. It's a little bit of a wild ride with Howie. It almost should be an ESPN special. I mean, loses his job. Was in high was in high praise of Jeffrey Lurie. Loses his job to Chip Kelly. Gets thrown into a closet for I don't know two years, three years. Um, comes out, hires Joe Douglas to kind of make football decisions while he does contracts. Wins a Super Bowl. Comes out of that. Joe Douglas leaves to go to the Jets, and Howie just is on fire from that Super Bowl year. I mean, pulled all the right strings. And and seems to have learned now. He recent years picks like Jalen Rager, JJ Arcega Whiteside, 
some of these picks were horrific. And I would scream, Howie, just take the best players from the best schools, particularly SEC, Bama, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, you know, whoever. But in that top tier of schools, the top athletes are the best of the best. They play the best every week. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. Now, I'm not saying you can't find a diamond in the rough, but why try? It's such a crapshoot. You see the Carson Wentz, North Dakota State, how it plays out. You see how Jalen Rager played out when you could have got Justin Jefferson from LSU. So, how he corrects himself and doesn't get cute anymore the last two years, doesn't try to be tricky, he goes out from, after the Jalen Rager disgrace, goes out and gets... Devontae Smith, uh, a couple years ago, Jalen Hurts in the, in the second round, finds value. Um, Landon Dickerson, Alabama, Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean, now Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, as well as uh, the corner from Georgia, Ringo, um, gets another Bama offensive lineman, tra- and then makes a trade. This is the other thing he does. How many teams do this? He then makes a trade for DeAndre Swift, who I love, local kid, brings another element to that backfield, which is a really interesting backfield now with Rashad Penny, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, and now DeAndre Swift, who catches the ball out of the backfield, quick, speedy guy who has has some toughness, and basically gets him for nothing. They exchange seventh round picks. I think he gives up a fourth in next year or two years from now and gets Swift. But if, if he doesn't sign Swift after the year, which I think his contract's up, he gets a conditional pick back. So we really got him for a year for almost free. Genius. He, he's, he's playing chess and the rest of the league seems to be playing checkers. He's doing things that no one else is doing. And the, the national media has taken notice and the league has taken notice. And now look, they have to they have to pan out. The Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean pick from last year have to they have to pan out. Jalen Carter to get him where you got him at nine and Nolan Smith at thirty. They have to pan out. Because if they don't, then obviously, but it's the right picks in those spots, and now it's just does it ha- does it work out? But I expect them, if healthy, to be really good again. I think they still have to do some things. I'd like to get another safety. I know they got the kid from Illinois who people are high on. I haven't seen him yet with my own eyes. I can't tell you. I'd like another receiver. I don't like the Quez Watkins, Zach Pascal, three and four. I'd like another speedy guy. Um, I know they did sign a guy. His name escapes me at the moment. But I think he's another St. Joe's prep kid. But I'd like another one. And then I think you're set on offense if you get another one. And then defense, maybe a safety, um, a nickel guy, slot corner guy. I know you have Maddox, but uh, or maybe a veteran linebacker. But, but besides that, I mean, they're, they're going to be good again, I think, if healthy. So exciting times for the Eagles. Phillies.
Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me. One in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Panda and Shepard, as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about Malbatross? I have no idea what's going on with the Phillies. So Phillies have a brutal start. They battle all the way back to 500. Looks like that we might be going into May. Getting Bryce Harper back, which is incredible that he's back. Hopefully get healthy with Ranger and um, some other guys that have been out. I don't know what's going to happen with Andrew Painter. But things were at least trending up. They go into L.A. and they just get buzzsawed. 13-4, to 13-1. to one. Today, a 5-0 lead and they lose 10-6. They give up 36 runs in three games to an L.A. team that was really 500 up until a week ago when they swept the Cardinals. Now, I believe, has won six in a row. Could be wrong, but I think they're six games over 500. They've, they've been hot. You get a 5 nothing re- five nothing lead with Aaron Nola, who was pretty good. Had one inning that was rough, but got out of it. In the seventh, gets a quick out at 88 pitches. Has a piece of crap, uh, shallow pop-up to right. That Nick, I don't know where Nick was, but was nowhere near it, hung up in the air forever. And then gets by Nick, takes a horrible angle, and turns into a triple. Pulls Nola, goes Sir Anthony, walks Mookie. um, And then Freeman hits what was almost a home run ball to tie the game. I'm sorry, that made it 5-4. That didn't tie the game. 5-4, I'm sorry. Just I just watched it. I'm trying to gather my thoughts. Alvarado comes in, getting hit pretty hard. Didn't have great stuff, but looked like he could have got out of it. Trey Turner makes a nice play, comes home. Uh, they get a guy at home. And then hard hit ball to Sosa at third and just butchers it. Just gets by him and ties the game. Uh, actually takes the lead. I'm sorry. Six to five. We score in the we score bottom eight or top nine. We score top nine. St- Harper gets on for the fifth time. Nick C is a great at bat. Stott singles makes it six six. Boom, brutal at bat, strikes out, and then they hit a walk off grand slam off Kimbrel. Bottom nine make it ten six. Bullpen got whacked this series. And I can't put it all on Topper, but here's what I put on Topper. Once again, nobody has a role in the bullpen. 
10 days ago, maybe less, Alvarado was the closer and looked comfortable. Now he's in the eighth. Yesterday, he used Soto and Sir Anthony in a 13-1 game. He's got Kimbrell closing now. I, nobody knows when they're coming in. You could watch them every day, and you have no idea who he's going with. He has quick hooks on all starters. Again, Nola was fine. One piece of crap pop-up that Nick basically just took a horrible angle on, and I don't know what he was doing, and then he's out. He doesn't let anybody pitch through anything. But my gripe is with this lineup. I have no idea what he's thinking. I'd love to talk to him. He has the worst hitter in base. I'm sorry. The worst hitter on the team. On the team. As of today. Leading off again. For the last two days. Kyle Schwarber. And we've been over it. And over it. And over it. And I finally thought it was over. With Turner and Stott. In the 1-2 hole. Vice, you know, switching back and forth. He now has Schwarber back leading off, okay? Schwarber lately is an automatic out. He's hitting about 190, strikes out. If he doesn't hit a home run, he doesn't do anything. He's a, he's, he's a bad left fielder. And he's leading off. And Topper says, oh, well, I loved how he let off last year and, and Reese batting second, so I'm going to do that with him and Turner. Out of nowhere. A week ago, Topper said, oh, I'm going to go lefty-righty, Turner-Stott, depending who we're facing. Now he snuck Schwarber back in. He has Stott batting fifth? Fifth. Now, he came up with a big hit today, but he's a, he's a five-hole hitter? Nobody in their right mind would have this guy leading off. And I and I actually love the guy. I think he's a great guy. I think he's great for the community. I think he's huge for this team. I think he's a leader. Knows how to win. Great clubhouse guy. But Topper is making me criticize him because he has him in the wrong spot. And I can't figure it out. Topper's an old school baseball guy. And he's got a 190 hitter. Everyone on the team has a much higher average. A lot of guys in the 300s. A lot of guys high twos. Last year, you didn't really have a prototypical leadoff hitter. This year, you probably have two. And we're back to this. And this this team's in some trouble. This team's in some trouble. They scored five today. But they stopped scoring after the third inning until the until the uh, top nine. And they, they have, you know, Sosa plays every day. He's, he's, a, he's a role player. He's a bench guy. He plays every single day. He's, he's a little bit of a butcher at third base. I think he's five errors now. I don't know. If, I don't think they called today's an error, but it was. And, I, and he's, he's a good role player, but he's not an everyday player. So this team's got a little bit of a problem. And now all of a sudden, what a week ago looked like a huge strength, the bullpen, at least in this series, was extremely exposed. Sir Anthony couldn't throw strikes. Kimbrell pitched a contact. And Alvarado couldn't wasn't really having swing and miss stuff. Now, I'm not extremely worried about him, but I don't think not having roles helps. 
And if that becomes a weakness, you know, it just you can't you can't lose five nothing leads with Nola. You just can't lose that. You don't have enough starting pitching depth to do that. It's really frustrating. You know, you waste three hours of your day and you get tortured and you get your guts ripped out. So maybe Joel will turn it around the night here in, in about 10 minutes. But want to close with trivia from last week. From 1964 to 2021, 10 different Phillies pitchers struck out 200 or more batters in a season. Jim Bunning, Steve Carlton, Roy Doc Holliday, Cole Hamels, Cliff Lee, Brett Myers, Aaron Nola, Kurt Schilling, Chris Short, Zach Wheeler. For next week, we'll go Sixers in the spirit of uh, game two tonight. Through 2021 to 2022, Sixers have posted a triple-double in three or more regular season games. So through 2021, 2022. So this is through their history, not including this year. So through last year. 11 Sixers, 11, have posted a triple-double in three or more regular season games. Who are they? All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. We'll check in next week. MVP, Joel Hans Embiid from Cameroon is back in the Sixers lineup in Boston, in Beantown. Just where he likes to be, in the tough, cold city that's uncomfortable for an opposing player. Let's see how he ends up. I'll be shocked if he has a good game tonight. Shocked. Expect 20 points, something in that range, a lot of limping, a lot of holding his knee. He's a warrior. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a warrior. All right, talk next week. Thanks.